Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Details of Life. I am your host, Marcus Wilson. And man, it's been a while. It's been two weeks since I've seen you guys and since I dropped a, a podcast. And what a two weeks it has been, right? I mean, this coronavirus thing has taken over the world. The news, like all consuming, right? And so uh, this has been crazy. I remember two weeks ago, I was still having conversations like, are people overreacting? Are we not taking serious enough? And then five days after that, because that was a Sunday, and then on Thursday, NCAA canceled, announced they were canceling the tournament. NBA, the next day, NHL followed. Everything started trickling down. Um, that following Tuesday, my YMCA closed. Um, and just this past Thursday, all restaurants and bars closed. And it has just been crazy, right? We've, I've never been through anything like this in my life. And so, you know, obviously that's part of the reason of the delay and dropping a podcast. I've been, you know, even though my Y closed, um, I've still been busy. I've still been working, still going there, sanitizing the building, leading the team, been on a million conference calls about getting, you know, getting updated information and how to communicate that information out. And so it's just been crazy, guys. And so another reason it was a delay is I really wanted to start dropping my podcast on a Tuesday or Wednesday, someday midweek instead of the sun, instead of a weekend. But it had been so long. I didn't want to wait an, uh, another few days. So we're just going to drop this one this weekend. Moving forward. We're going to start having podcasts every Wednesday. So start looking forward to that. My next podcast will be this upcoming Wednesday with a special someone you're going to really, really enjoy to hear from. So make sure you tune back in on that. Uh, another reason there was a delay is, man, my computer crashed. So I was working on my son's computer. It's old. It couldn't like do the video editing software that I really wanted to use. I've been going through it, y'all. Just like y'all have. It's just like one thing after another. And so uh, I'm going through people withdrawal. I really like to talk to people. I like going to meet my friends for a happy hour or something. Now I'm social, not just social distancing, social isolation. Everything's closed. I needed this. Hopefully you guys needed this. And I'm glad to be back. So with that said, you know, I, I want to give you a little preface on this episode is I really want to start bringing someone in different than myself. Uh, like maybe a, a, a guest co-host. And so uh, I found someone that I thought would be really good. I'm going to rotate it out because I really want to bring a different perspectives, guys. I like to talk, as you know, uh, but I don't like to talk to myself. I like to have a little bit of banner, right? And someone that can talk to me and talk about things in a way that they see life differently. And so I think someone from a different economic or different just demographic background, not economic, but demographic background, like uh, I'm a black male, so maybe a black female, uh, a white male, a white female, a Hispanic um, American, um, anything, Asian Pacific Islander, gay or lesbian or something like anything that's a little bit different than me. I think it would be healthy to come on here and have to just represent different people because everybody sees life differently. Right. And we experience life different, differently in America based on what we look like and our gender and our race and our age. Right. And so. It would be good. I thought it would be good to have someone on. And uh, so this special co-host is Arter Woman Shikmeen Clark Hubbard. She's the Arter Woman here in St. Louis. Dynamic, just up and coming. She's everywhere on social media, doing all types of great things. I'm actually partnering with her this weekend to go serve some meals to some seniors in our community. And so just going to be awesome to have her on here from time to time and giving her perspective. She's from St. Louis. She's in politics. Obviously, she won't use this as a political platform, but just having that perspective, I think it's going to be cool to have her on. So looking forward to having her on more often uh, moving forward. Today's guest is Dr. Lori Punch. Many of you may know her here in St. Louis uh, because she runs a program called Stop the Bleed. Her main job is she's a surgeon at Washington University, 
Washington University is like for those who are not from St. Louis is like an Ivy level, Ivy League level school. Their medical facilities and hospitals are top notch here. She's a surgeon there. But then she also runs this program called Stop the Bleed, where she teaches people how to stop puncture wounds, um, how to basically stop people from bleeding out. That's why it's called Stop the Bleed. And she goes around St. Louis and, and, and teaches people these skills. She actually did it at my YMCA. I had her come in and train my staff at an all-staff meeting um, last year in 2019 because, unfortunately, where I work, there is a lot of violence. Uh, there are, yeah, you have, yeah, there is just a lot of violence. And so I wanted to give people that skill um, to make sure that if they were around someone who was stabbed or shot, that they could help stop that bleeding until medical personnel could either get to them or get that person to the hospital. And so she's delivering these life-saving skills. It's one of those things that you hope you don't ever have to use, like CPR, but if you have to use it, it's better to have it than not. And so she's going around doing things like that, and she's just a knowledgeable person. So with this coronavirus thing everywhere, I figured that having her on talking about that, as well as someone in politics um, in our city on to kind of discuss and have a roundtable approach to this. So without further ado, guys, let's get back to the program. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Details of Life with Marcus Wilson. I am Marcus Wilson, and I want to introduce someone that is going to be a special co-host uh, on the broadcast from time to time, Alder Woman Shameen. She does great work in the community, and not just, uh, you know, not just great work in the community. She's a friend. She's a good person. She's going to add a different perspective. Me being a male, I'm not from St. Louis. Her being a black female and from St. Louis, I'm sure she'll see some things differently or uh, just give a different point of view. So I'm happy to have her on. Uh, and then our special guest today is Dr. Lori Punch. Uh, Dr. Lori Punch actually came and did her Stop the Bleed um, training at my YMCA. And some of you guys may know about that, that she's, she's done good work around that, around the community. So we'll get into that later. She can tell you more details about that. But right now, you know, I really wanted to talk about was dominating the news, uh, the coronavirus. And so, you know, I know a little bit about it and whatnot, but I really wanted to bring uh, a doctor on here to maybe give the lens from, uh, opinion from a professional uh, medical lens. So what do you know about the virus? And, you know, um, from the lens of a medical professional, can you tell us what you know about the virus? Yeah, so again, I am a general surgeon, but I've been really keeping up on this the best I can using a lot of different sources of information. It's confusing. I know it's really tough for community right now because you don't know what information to trust. Yep. And there's a lot of information out there. Uh, I'm, I've committed to not saying anything that I don't believe or know to be true. And again, I'm representing myself and the work we do here at the T, not any other organization. So um, first of all, here's the trippiest thing that I think is really important to understand if you're going to understand coronavirus. And that's what a virus is. A virus is not a really complete form of life. Uh, to be a form of life, to be a living cell or organism, you have to have a lining that keeps you protected from the outside. You have to have the machinery inside you to make energy. Mm -hmm. And you have to have DNA, some kind of way of replicating, making a copy of yourself. Okay. Now, viruses are tricky because they are only two of those things. They're a lining and they're... DNA or RNA, which is a version of that. So basically, they aren't actually alive on their own. Mm. That changes everything because when you think about getting rid of a virus or killing a virus, okay. how do you kill something that's not really alive? Mm. That's what makes them so tough. So how do they work? 
the coronavirus literally has a crown of spikes coming out from that outer lining. These spikes go up to one of your cells that has the full cycle of life in it, okay. spikes the cell and injects that RNA DNA information into it. Mm. And then it says, hey, you all look, it looks good in here. You got, okay, you got some food and you know, you got a little stove. Why don't you just make me something? And literally uses your cells energy and engine to replicate itself. Oh, wow. So it's in there like a Xerox. She could just offer you just copying and literally multiplies inside the cell and bursts the cell open. Okay. So now one virus is two, is four, is 16. Got it. It goes through a life cycle of replication, and the next thing you know, it can literally destroy tissue. Now, what's true about coronavirus? Coronavirus likes to do that, at least the novel coronavirus that we have right now, only just discovered for the first time December 2019, never been seen before. Mm. This virus and other coronaviruses are good at doing that little injection thing in your lung. Now, your lung has two major kinds of cells, one cell that makes mucus and another cell that has these little projections on it that literally sweep your airways clean. Okay. The coronavirus goes into those cells, injects, multiplies, kills them, and then creates a response in your body to come to that area and try to clean everything up. Mm. So what do you get? You got, you don't have the broom anymore. You have lots and lots of swelling and inflammation. And as that whole process is happening, what happens? Your airways aren't clear, so you get a cough. Mm. So one of the first, or some, one of the most consistent, I should say, symptoms of coronavirus infection is a cough. Yeah. Mm. Now, as that is going on, your body is sensing an invasion, right? Because, yep. I mean, you're yep. literally... And so um, it signals the alarm bells, like literally in there calling 911. Yeah. And your body's response to an emergency when it comes to infection is to turn the heat up. So your brain sets a new temperature for you and you get a fever. fever. Okay. So that's why that is such a common thing. Now, as this process keeps going and suddenly it's working its way down into your lung and clogging your lung, that's the making for pneumonia. And mm. as you get that kind of clogged airway, basically imagine it's like nobody taking out the garbage for three weeks, mm. right? Yeah. It's just sitting there, you can get short of breath. So that's why the three things that are the most common with coronavirus is uh, shortness of breath, fever, and cough. I'm just uh, getting this. I want to emphasize to you, I'm not making this up, and you can uh, zoom in on that CDC guidelines for um, what we know are the three most important, most common features. Now, here's the trippy thing. Okay. If you're younger, uh, and I'm gonna say that can be anybody, honestly, even under the age of 50, and you get the coronavirus, you might not have any of those symptoms. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So what we're understanding more and more and more and is that in a lot of people, they don't even know they have it, and they're exactly why it's spreading so Yeah. Now, how does it spread? So I already told you it's down inside your lung, um, and it's good in infecting those cells. But in general, it, it, it can travel in two major ways, contact or air. So that, exactly. So, so that's real. So we're so, hearing about how long it lives on different surfaces. 
uh, that it can be on stainless steel and stuff for days. So yeah, let's talk about that. First, okay. there was a study out of California, UCLA, that just came out testing it in a lab setting. So anytime you're in a, it's not a real like human right. life setting. It, it, how real? How accurate? But they were just trying to figure out what can this thing do. Right. Okay. So we know in that study in the air. Uh, on a droplet, so basically not just the virus, but the virus in a little droplet of yeah. water. So it could last three hours. On a porous surface like cardboard, mm -hmm. one day, 24 yeah. hours, and then on a hard surface plastic, glass, metal, three days. Three days. But there's a new study that now shows that that actually might go as long as nine days wow. in real life on a hard surface. And that's and why it's passing so easily because you can, that contact can be anywhere and it's living there. That's the thing. How do you kill something that's not actually alive? Yeah, yeah. It's just waiting to get back to you and your energy. Mm. It's very, very smart virus. So the other thing that we're now finding out is it maybe doesn't even need a droplet. It doesn't necessarily, that there's this new idea that just being and breathing air from someone else is potentially a problem. So like, for instance, um, you know, this, like how we're sitting right now, it's great, but if any of us had a potential exposure, we probably shouldn't sit this close right. because it's kind of weird. You don't realize how much you're sharing other people's space, but you know when you go and eat lunch and you can tell somebody had onions? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the same idea. So that's why six feet distance and not making contact, especially with your hands, because your hands are going to be where you will have picked it up from a hard surface Got it. or gotten it out of your own, honestly, secretions and then be ready to give it to somebody else. Mm. So, you know, we're so used to making contact with our hands, yeah, yeah. but our hands are going to be a number one vector. Uh, and then the second being air. So I got one more question. I'm going to pass it over to me. So. I saw that San Francisco just implemented this shelter in place to where basically stay at home unless you have to go to the grocery store or go to the doctor. Essential businesses are going to stay open, banks, medical facilities. How close are we to that happening here in St. Louis, in your opinion? So it's, first of all, we need to understand why they're doing that, right? They're saying they're getting to this sort of concentration of people who are carrying the virus that public space, shared public space, just isn't safe anymore. And since they know not everyone's going to know if they have the virus, it's just too dangerous. So they want to radically slow yeah. down the transmission. Mm -hmm. The um, You can get exposure, and now there's a, a study that came from China and some of the earlier experiences that shows that you can go from two to, well, really one to 21 days from the point you get exposed to the virus before you show any symptoms. Yeah. So you can be carrying it that long. And you're contagious that whole time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what's yeah. happening in San Francisco? You have an immensely dense population uh, that um, had a sudden or you know a significant increase in cases, and they've made the radical decision to say they want to slow the spread. Now listen, that doing that is not necessarily saying people aren't going to get the virus. What are they trying to do? You've heard that flatten the curve. Yeah, Does that yeah. make sense? Yep. Mm -hmm. The idea, idea of flatten the curve is if we spread it as fast as it wants to spread, we're going to overwhelm our healthcare system. Yeah. But if we spread it more slowly, then the healthcare system can keep up. So basically what I think you're really asking me is, do I think it's an inevitability? Is it going to happen 
that the virus continues to spread. I am telling you that I wish I would be wrong. I would hope right. this would be wrong. But every good source of information I am getting is telling me that a widespread experience of this virus is going to happen. And it's just happening. It's more on the West Coast right now. But eventually, it could be St. Louis, Chicago. Well, look at New New the whole New York to D.C. corridor blew up. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to shut it down. So, so basically, this virus is here to stay, guys. I yeah. mean, until we get a vaccine... And even then, the virus even is then. here to stay. It's, yeah. a, it's a new world order. Yep. This mm-hmm. virus is here, and we're going to have to figure out how to live with it. Got it. Well, I'm going to pass it off to Shemaine. She's got some questions from her point of view and how it you know, affects us, I think, locally. Yeah, so thank you again, sis, for coming on here. One of the things I wanted to speak to you about is something that a good friend of mine talk about all the time, and that's common practices versus best practices. Mm. And I use myself as an example because when I saw you this morning, right. I ran up to hug you. Right. And you said, uh uh-uh, uh, <laughs> So tell us as a community, you know, what we can do best practices to try to combat this. Uh, not outside of just cleaning, we know we can clean, we clean all the time. But best practices from a medical lens of what we can do as a community. So, number one thing absolutely is washing your hands yeah your hands are your window to the world yeah you could we we are we as humans we're defined by our opposable thumb right like the whole idea that we can grab and interact so or we think we're looking at the world but really we're mm-hmm. we're touching the world yeah. and so keeping your hands clean by mechanically washing them longer than you normally would wash them for a lot of folks. Like you gotta sit there for 20 seconds. 20 seconds is a really long time when you're not used to doing that. So um, what the advice that I've heard from, uh, again, experts, every time you're in and out of a building, every time you walk past, at work yesterday, every time I walk past the sink, every time you touch anything in a public space, like basically, you should now be basically you get to a point where you like washing your hands every hour if you're out and about and if you're at home you know three or four times really scrubbing your hands Mm so that's going to change you spreading and it's going to change you receiving so that is it seems so simple but the lived practice of washing and scrubbing your hands for 20 seconds several times a day actually is like for a lot of people a big change it's just the truth yeah the other thing is being aware of everything else you commonly put your hands on yep those things are phones doorknobs glasses and steering wheels so get yourself a form of disinfectant and be on those things i made myself a cheap two percent bleach solution myself at home the world health organization says you can take a gallon of water and add one third cup of Clorox, and that is adequate strength to kill coronavirus. Okay. This is world health. You don't gotta go and get the Clorox wipes. Yeah. You don't have to buy, you know, the perfect. You can just make it yourself. So wiping services, and then um, when you're uh, in in spaces, it's ideal that if you like sneeze or cough. You don't use your hands, right? You want to cough into, and the thing about it is our clothing can even be a vector. That's why I suggest, or a way of spreading it, that's why I suggest if you greet someone, don't hug them. Uh, Really, I'm even getting away from the elbow bump. Uh, Just do the unana and get in touch your feet. Or the kid and play, whatever version. I don't care what generation you are. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I guess the last thing is, it's feels so weird because right now to be restricting our behavior because mm-hmm. we're like nobody's sick 
But the thing about it is, we're so used to the idea, okay, you're sick, I touch you, you make me sick. I know that this happened. Oh yeah, my kids all got the thing, so then I had it. You get sick for a couple of days and, and then you're done. You, we, we're used to thinking of that kind of process as an individual or as a family. Mm-hmm. Of this virus is so good at spreading itself, right? That suddenly we can't think of ourselves even as individuals or as families. We have to think of ourselves as communities. You know, there's a really kind of bright side to this. It shows us how connected we are as humans, in truth. But the flip side of that is we have a responsibility. And and you don't want to be the one that was the vector. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Patient 31. Have you heard about patient 31? No. Okay. Virus is in China. China does an incredible job controlling the transmission. Virus gets to South Korea. South Korea does an excellent job. Both of those countries had experiences with similar coronavirus epidemics in the past. There have been uh, two really, really big ones in the last um, decade. So um, they're doing great. And then one person, one person, patient 31, the 31st patient in South Korea to get the virus, goes through this incredible experience of being in a car accident, going to a hospital while she's hospitalized, leaving to go to church, a church where 9,000 people are because it's a mega church, goes back to the hospital, gets discharged, goes to a gathering, then goes for medical care again, and then something else happens. After that, the cases spiked, and that one person became ground zero for 80% of the cases in South Korea. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So your individual decisions matter in a way that you can't imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. That definitely speaks to the responsibility part as a community. This is also the CDC guidelines for those things that we just talked about. So Mm -hmm. washing hands, um, sneezing or wiping with a tissue, uh, not hugging, uh, wiping down surfaces frequently, Mm -hmm. staying six feet away from people, and uh, although we're not doing that right now. (laughs) We're cheating right now. It looks better on camera. But you get my point. We interrupt this podcast for a breaking public service announcement. The social distancing demonstrated here is not recommended. This was a previously recorded interview, which since then, we have realized the importance of social distancing. We now take you back to your regularly scheduled program. Absolutely. And the other piece for me, which is important to me, is, again, speaking to the community piece. We know that this is going to have an economic impact Mm. that we can't Mm. even gauge or even begin to gauge right now. So we want to make sure we connect people with resources so that you can absolutely reach out after the podcast or any time for that. But, again, from a medical lens, we're not speaking to the a mental health part of this. We know that isolation, things that come out of isolation or depression and, and things of that nature. Is there any quick tips that you can give from a medical lens about making sure that you stay as mentally healthy as you can during this yeah. process? Well, the, the big thing, especially for folks who have kids at home or intergenerational families or people who are just sharing space in a way that they never had to before, um, it's one word, routine. Mm-hmm. What is school and work and church and meetings and clubs and experiences, what do they do for us? They set a rhythm and an expectation for our day. When we're home and we're isolated or we're with family and we can't do what we normally do, that routine just totally goes out. Mm -hmm. Then what starts happening? 
sleep patterns are off, you're spending too much screen time, yes. you're not talking, you're not connecting. So I've seen a lot of families get out some kind of sign on the wall and just make a plan, you know, 7.30, coffee, 8 o'clock, breakfast, 9.30, bundle up, I don't care how cold it is, green space is free and mm -hmm. safe. Yeah. Good. Being outside is free and safe. Yeah. Okay. Come back in. Uh, wash clothes and everyone do a rigorous hand washing. Mm -hmm. uh, then you can get an hour of screen time. Uh, okay. Now we're going to make lunch together and we're going to be creative and we're going to try, you know, and you know, that's assuming you have a home and you have food. What I'm really worried about, and I think folks will find a way. What I'm really worried about is the people who were already living without what they needed. Mm -hmm. And they will be pushed to the edges. And, and I really like, and I actually had some friends at work ask me today, how do we get to people who were already just barely making it? Yes. Yeah. Because here's the horror of what I just described. Social distancing is the opposite of what people need when they're on yeah. the edge. Yeah. So I'm looking uh, at some creative ways. Um, I actually, we, you know, the tea here, we have the tea on wheels. Mm -hmm. And I've been really thinking about how could we go out and even do, I don't know, this is, uh, I'm hoping with the warmer weather that we can maybe do some outdoor events, mm -hmm. have people to participate from a distance because mm -hmm. we're gonna need ways even if you just have one thing to look forward to every day. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, this is really a time to call your friends, to call your family, write a letter, do something to connect to people because we're all we're all feeling it. No matter what yeah. people say, everyone's a little nervous right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like that was very educating yeah. from uh, a, just a knowledge standpoint and from uh, a community standpoint. So, uh, thank you so much for this information. I'm going to give some more information right after this segment ends about Alderwoman Shameen, about Dr. Punch, about what she's doing in the community, even with the, the Stop the Bleed and, and give you the, some links and some resources on all of that. But really just wanted to be specific here about the coronavirus on this part. So thank you, Shameen, for no, being a part you. of this. Thank and thank you, Dr. Punch, for coming on and giving us your knowledge. Absolutely. Thank you. I right, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Shameen and uh, Dr. Punch, for coming on and giving your expertise and joining me on the podcast really fortunate to have people of your quality and, and expertise and knowledge and caring for the community on the podcast so thank you so much for coming on like i said i'm going to leave some links more about each one of those uh dynamic people um below in the description of this podcast more about stop the bleed more about Alder woman shamim and more about dr Lori punch so with that said you know i always do my closing commentary and so this week i thought it would be uh, good, you know, like this coronavirus thing is everywhere. And so I kind of want to talk about it from my perspective. You've already heard CNN. You've already heard Fox News. You just heard a doctor. Um, but I want you to hear my little conspiracy theory about it. Right. And so the good thing about a conspiracy theory is I admit it's a theory and it's a conspiracy. I have no facts, you know, but this is just in my mind what I'm thinking. We probably all are thinking some stuff right now. But one of the things that I've been thinking about with this coronavirus thing is, well, first, before I get into that, I think there's something I need to describe. It's, it's something called collateral damage, right? Collateral damage is something that people and oftentimes very influential people. Um, it's a concept that they have that, they, that is part of their their agenda or their plan, knowing that they want to accomplish a greater good. Right. And so wars, when we go to wars, we know that people are going to die. 
but the collateral debt that is that is the collateral damage those deaths but they think that those deaths are worth it to accomplish whatever that war was fought for freedom or whatever that may be right and so there's oftentimes that people do things like that let me take the the seriousness out of that uh and put it into context uh thanos snapping the fingers right that's collateral damage all the people that disappeared collateral damage because he thought that the world and the universe would be a much better place if it was less populated and we got rid of half the people right so with that said i wonder if you know with this coronavirus if the deaths that we're seeing about uh, come from this is collateral damage of someone's mastermind plan of wanting to um stop the overpopulation because you think about where it started it started in china what is one of china's biggest problems overpopulation and they've tried other measures that really haven't worked and so if you wanted to stop the population from growing and wanted to decrease it a little bit or at least stop it from growing for a little bit you're not going to go off and kill the youth because then you know that obviously that's crazy but um, killing anybody is crazy but killing the youth would stop would really just hurt your population because then the old people would die off you're killing the youth it's just crazy what you would probably do not me. This is just some crazy mastermind somewhere. Uh, what you would probably do is start targeting older people. And I've never seen a disease be so specific in the mortality rates of who it attacks. I'm not saying anybody can't get it. I'm not saying that at all. We know youth can get it, but generally they, they are carriers and pass it along. I'm sure someone's going to say, hey, didn't you hear about that one or a couple people that died? I get it. I'm saying just generally the average uh, amount. Youth generally carry it, but they beat it. Middle-aged people, it affects us. There have been, there have been some deaths, um, but the mortality rate is significantly lower than seniors and people with pre-existing health conditions, right? And so uh, even the middle-aged people, which I'm throwing myself in there in that middle-aged group, uh, when we beat it, people say that uh, they, they're saying they're more learning more and more about it where we'll people can lose 20 to 30% of your lung capacity, right? And so I'm not saying, I'm not minimizing at all. I'm just saying. It's very ironic to me that seniors are the ones that are really suffering from it. Came from China. Even if it, you know, when it, when it comes to America, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of people that have always, that have been worried about the Social Security running out and Medicare and stuff. And like, if someone wanted to do this, now I know, let me preface this. I do know that, uh, they're saying that this is not a man-made disease. So I don't know, though, you know, you know, because it's like I'm, I know people are probably watching like Marcus, you're 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 on one right now. You're, you're too far out there. Let me give you some example. Let me give you an example of when someone uh, when we've had information given to us at one point and then later on found out it wasn't exactly what we thought it was. Right. When 2001 after 9-11. I'm living in France. I'm living in Europe. And I remember coming to America and and then coming back home and then going over there and just seeing the different news uh, that was coming out to the people. And what I mean by that is in America, we were people. The news was saying we had to go to war uh, and we had to attack Saddam Hussein, get him out of power because he was in cahoots with uh, Osama bin Laden. And most importantly, he had all these weapons of mass destruction that was going to endanger the world and they were, they could use them and just blow everybody up. Right. Do you, I know you, some of you guys that's old enough should remember that WMDs. It was just a big scare. He had all these weapons of mass destruction. We got to go in there and take them. In Europe, the news was saying a 
Americans are over there. The news or the, the, their news is telling Americans that they're going over there to fight Saddam Hussein and get rid of uh, the weapons of mass destruction. But we all know it's a money grab. They're going over there to get the oil and they want to get him out of power. Right. So they were saying that I'm coming to America and I'm seeing different news and I don't know who to believe, but I do know that that's what I was here. So I was coming back telling my friends like, hey, I'm not sure if they actually have weapons of mass destruction over there. This might be one big plan to go over there and get control of the oil and whatnot. And people are like, oh, you 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 know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're not being patriotic. You need to support whatever we decide. OK, so I just kind of shut my mouth. I'm like, you know, I don't have the facts. Let me be quiet. Did we ever find any weapons of mass destruction or like the amount that we said they did? Nah, we did not. And so I'm not trying to get down some political road of whether we should have went to war or not. That's that's above my pay grade. What I am saying is there's oftentimes five to seven to ten years down the road after something happens. There's times where we get more information and we realize we weren't being told the complete truth at, you know, up front. And so with this coronavirus thing, I just wonder. It's my conspiracy theory. It's mine. You don't have to believe it. You can go share this podcast and tell other people to listen and listen to how crazy I am. Talk about me in the in the comments. Call me an idiot if you want. Don't call me too many four letter words. But this is mine. Right. And, and I just wonder if down the road we will find out because it's like I said, the example I just said, uh, it wouldn't be the first time, guys. It wouldn't be the first time that people have made decisions that they thought could save trillions of dollars, which stopping, which uh, helping kill older people, saving money in Social Security, the overpopulation in China, things like that. There's there has been times in, in in our history where people have made crazy decisions that they thought the collateral damage would be worth the end result. I'm just saying, I guess we'll have to wait and see until then, guys, be safe. Wash your hands, you know, uh, um, practice social distancing, you know, within limits. I'm not saying just isolate yourself, but. Make sure you're trying to be as safe as you can. And uh, that's all we can do right now. We got to try to get through this. Try to help your neighbors. I mean, I'm, I'm really worried about people that are going out of that are that don't have work right now. And we, we don't have the stimulus package yet. That's going to get them their, their checks. Or at least I don't know that we have it yet. So, um, yeah, you know, I, that, that's just where we're at. Last thing I do want to say is this is concept that I have called the gray area. Right. The gray area. In basketball, well, let me go not to basketball. The gray area is something where you can be in this area where you're not holding, uh, where you have multiple options to make great decisions. Um, and I use that in terms of my philosophy and my opinions and my thought. And so I, I hold my ideas lightly, right? I hold them right here. They're mine. And I feel I believe in them. But at the end of the day, I, the more information I learn about it, if, I, if it gives me information to make me think I'm right, I can hold it a little bit tighter. If not, I can let them go and learn more. Right. The gray area in basketball is when you're penetrating. If you're coming that right down the middle, uh, let's say you're at the three point line, you cross the free throw line. When you cross the free throw line right between there and 12 feet is the gray area. Why is it called that? Because you can make multiple good decisions right there. You can either pull up for the little jump shot so you don't get a charge. You can continue going and try to dunk on somebody. You can kick it out left or right for someone's out at the three. If the big man helps up, you can drop it down for a, a pass and he can get a layup or a dunk. All right. You have multiple options, just like in soccer, when you're dribbling towards the net. Right. You know, there's a there's a gray area where you can still pass it left or right. When you shoot towards the goal, you have a broader angle of where you're going to shoot the ball. I mean, uh, kick the ball. Right. But if you get too close, then the goalie can eliminate a lot of those angles. Right. We are. I would ask that you guys considering keeping your opinions in the gray area a little bit more, because right now we're so left and right. I'm seeing on social media people that. 
you know, whether you like Donald Trump or not, he it sounds like they're trying to come up with a package where we can get money in people's pockets. Right. That's what I think is what's best for the people right now. Sending money out to people who, who are out of work, uh, uh, bartenders, anybody that are that's out of work. The majority of my staff at the Y, there's a lot of people that are going to be struggling here and we need to get money in their pockets. Looks like they're trying to do that. What are we doing as a people? Oh, remember, you said he's not your president. Don't take that money. And then there's other people saying, well, you know, all you people that said you hated socialism. This is what socialism is. And for one of the first times that I've seen recently, we've had a bipartisan. uh, We've had both sides coming to the table in agreement, trying to get money, trying to work together in an efficient way, as efficient as our government can be. And. We are so programmed as a people to argue. We just want to keep arguing about it. Oh, take the money or don't take the money. Or this is socialism. And he's not your president. Chill. Right. I mean, that, realize that we're programmed to argue at this point. This lets me know we're programmed to argue because people know we should be getting the money. And we just want to argue about it, guys. And it was just really frustrating to see some of my friends, people that I like, you know, educated people um, just arguing for no reason about whether you should take the money or not. And this is what socialism is when really the bottom line is we need to keep putting some pressure on our elected officials to get the money out to people as quickly as possible. Right. That's where we need to be at. And so live in the gray area on that, like whether you believe that he is your president or you believe, uh, in uh, UBI and, uh, Bernie now's not the time for it. Now's the time where we're in unprecedented times where people are dying. People are scared. People are out of work. The economy is about to come to a halt if this doesn't change soon and we're going to need to depend on each other guys and so um, I would just ask that you put your opinions in the gray air for a little bit don't be so left right and have your opinions on this drawn line because we need as much unity as much unity and togetherness as possible right now so with that said guys you know greatness can only happen one way right greatness is in the details man it's good to be back with you guys thank you for tuning in please like subscribe and share let everybody hear about this let's keep growing and i'm so thankful to be back thankful for you guys support and uh you guys have a good evening be safe out there wash your hands peace